Welcome to the Preservation Technology Podcast. I'm Kevin Ammons. Today we are joining NCPTT's Jason Church as he speaks with Claire Dean of Dean Associates of Conservation Services about using lasers to remove graffiti from rock art. This is Jason Church. I'm here interviewing Claire Dean of Dean Associates Conservation Services. How are you doing today, Claire? I'm doing fine, Jason. How about yourself? Very well. So, Claire, you're known for conserving rock art. Can you tell us what this is and a little bit about it? Sure. Uh, Rock art is the the common uh, term for paintings and carvings on rock. Um, And in North America, that's um, mostly associated with uh, native communities. Um, I personally prefer to use the term rock imagery as it's a little more neutral. Uh, And I actually use that term at the request of elders, Native American elders whom I work with, who actually find the term art somewhat offensive um, from their cultural standpoint and so uh, if you hear me refer to it as rock imagery that's why and typically uh, the other two terms you hear for it are pictograph which are the painted sites and petroglyphs which are the ones that are carved uh, into rock surfaces. Very good well recently I know you did a project where you used a portable laser to remove uh, graffiti off of rock imagery at uh, Joshua Tree National Park. Can you tell us a little bit about this project and just the use of lasers in conservation? The project at Joshua Tree is uh, one that I've been working on for a couple of years and actually was a two-phase project uh, initiated by the park. And uh, the first phase was to do a condition assessment of a series of sites within the boundaries of the monument. Not all of the rock art sites Um, were were looked at, but a good number of them. And from that assessment and working with the cultural resource manager, uh, Jan Keswick, uh, out there at Joshua Tree, we prioritized which ones would be um, looked at in phase two and and also what we could do with the resources um, available under the, the contract for phase two. And We had one particular site that we decided to concentrate on, which happens to be located within a campground, and in fact one of the most popular campgrounds in the park. And it is a small uh, painted panel, a pictograph, that is located inside um, a a small wind-formed alcove. It's a little difficult to, to describe it, but if you imagine a huge boulder with a big scoop taken out of the middle of it, so it looks like a half-formed donut. Um, the panel was inside the donut, and this boulder is located smack between two campsites at the level of the campsites. And as the area is one that is frequented by recreational climbers, actually inside the campground there are climbing routes, this particular boulder gets a lot of visitation from folks who are not... Uh, <laughs> not uh, technical climbers but want to do a little bit of scrambling and uh, consequently we also have a lot of graffiti inside that boulder so that was the one that we decided to concentrate um, our efforts on and the graffiti in there has been building up over many years um, and was mostly magic marker type uh, inscriptions along with um, some paint um, and wax crayon and pencil um, and a little bit of charcoal. So we decided that that's the one we concentrate on. 
I was adverse to using chemicals in that location for a number of reasons. Just overall, from an environmental point of view, I prefer not to. Chemicals are the uh, chemical cleaning has been typically uh, the the method used to remove graffiti at sites like this. The the other reason for not wishing to use chemicals is the alcove is extremely small and enclosed, and without any kind of ventilation, and especially in the temperatures which we get out there in the desert. Um, there was an added issue of uh, health and safety for people like myself and my assistant. So we decided to um, use lasers, uh, or at least to, to try at, at this site. Lasers have been used in, in art conservation for many, many years. In fact, uh, back in Europe, where I come from, we were using them, I think it's safe to say, uh, before North America was. Um, and mostly in uh, architectural settings to clean off uh, dirt and crusts related to air pollution on cathedrals, historic buildings. It, lasers have had their limits um, until recently because of their size. A portable laser a few years ago was typically uh, the size of a small car. Uh, and you could scaffold, you could put, get them up onto a, a big scaffolding on a building, but taking them out into other locations was, was really not feasible. Also because of the power um, needed to keep these puppies going. Um, that just wasn't possible. Now, um, laser technology has uh, moved along and we have a lot of more portable units and more controllable ones, uh, including units that we can literally take out into the field, into um, sort of, well, the campground at, at um, Joshua Tree is developed in as much as you can drive the truck to within about 50 feet of the site. But uh, other places where we have taken lasers for use at rock image sites have, have involved having to pack it in um, a little distance. But it's, it's possible to do it with a team of people. So the um, potential for using lasers now is, is much greater. And this, this is fantastic for people like myself who are working in areas which are not developed. Lasers typically are a much greener um, type of treatment. Um, they really the, the the main pollution they put out is the exhaust from the generator needed to power them. Uh, the laser that we were using at Joshua Tree um, can run off a 4,000 watt gasoline-driven uh, generator, which if you've got an, a, a good generator and you're maintaining it, is not putting out that much pollution. Um, probably less than your car. So. Um, and the laser itself basically doesn't generate any pollution other than the material it's removing, which of course burns. But we're talking um, about something on a very, very small level. So on an environmental level, the laser is definitely a much greener alternative to the traditional yes. chemical method. Yes, absolutely. Um, how does it compare as far as uh, removing the graffiti? itself. Well, in, in the work that I've been doing, and, and I need to acknowledge not just the help of NCPTT with this, but also Dr. Meg Abraham, who has been the recipient of a large research grant from NCPTT, and then um, she and I have also had another grant from NCPTT dealing with culturally appropriate treatments for rock image sites, of which lasers was one. So we have two NCPTT projects here that are kind of um, joined at, at at the hip. Now, the, the grant that we received from NCPTT, which actually was, was um, awarded to uh, the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla, 
one of the sovereign nations in Oregon, we were looking at trying to find culturally appropriate treatments for rock image sites. And this is because uh, many of the Native American groups that I work with, including the Umatilla, are not happy um, from a cultural and spiritual standpoint. They're not happy with the use of chemicals on um, rock image sites and sacred sites in general. We also have some pretty strict environmental uh, legislation in Oregon, too, that prohibit the use of chemicals. And chemical treatments have pretty much been the main ones up to date that have been used at rock image sites. We've done some microabrasion with form of abrasive unit. Those are problematic. You have to run a generator, which you do for the laser. The abrasive unit is a dry system, which uh, we have to use too because we can't soak these sites. The water can be a, a major issue for reasons of causing salt problems, but also literally washing the site away. So we're using a dry system. We don't have an extraction, the ability to extract dust, so it becomes an extremely messy and dusty process. Um, collecting the dust on tops is not really very efficient. The wind blows it around. So it, it works, and it certainly has its place, but microabrasion is not as green as you might think in, in the circumstances in which we've had to use it. Chemical treatments have been the other one, typically solvent, uh, using solvents to remove paints and other materials, and usually applied in, in a gel form or as a poultice. These, again, have issues, of course, with giving off vapors in, into the air, disposal of, of the waste material, and also health and safety for the operators because we have to wear respirators in the field because we don't have ventilation. Um, so the, and, and also a lot of the locations that I work in are extremely warm, which means we have an issue with them evaporating too fast, and it's very difficult to control that in the field. So looking for these alternatives that help us out was very, very important, but particularly for the Native American communities. Um, an elder who I work with regularly described it very succinctly when she said, well, how would you feel if I came along and tipped paint stripper on your grandmother? Because that is exactly how they, they look at these sites. These sites are living places. They're not just lumps of rock with inscriptions on them. Um, so the laser was one of the options we wanted to look at. And the Native American community has been almost 100% um, positive in their reception of this. They like the concept that it's cleaning using light. They are very aware of the impact that ultraviolet light has on um, things outdoors. And they can sort of see a direct connection between how light could actually get rid of paint and you know, their everyday experiences. So um, we, we've had a, we definitely have a lot of questions that, that are asked about the use of it. We have, Meg and I have demonstrated the use of lasers to Native American communities on, on several occasions now. Uh, only one of them has had its doubts, um, but they weren't completely negative. They, they, it was something they wanted to discuss and haven't been discussing amongst themselves um, since. So uh, it's a, it's a, for me, it's a, it's a much cleaner alternative. I think it does a better job. It's more controllable. We don't have the problems of bleeding of pigments and paints, which we um, do when we use solvents for cleaning. Um, 
while we can control that to a certain extent by our application methods such as poulticing and gels, it's not very it's not that controllable, especially in the field. So the laser takes care of that nicely and I also find that we have less residual staining. It's very difficult not to be left with residual staining when you chemically clean and especially on the sort of surfaces that I deal with which are not dressed surfaces or finished surfaces, they're, they're rough rock. The light um, emitted by a laser does seem to do some cleaning subsurface as well, um, leaving us with less of a, a residue. So it's got a lot of promise and we hope to be able to continue this uh, and use it more extensively in the future. Thanks, Claire. I mean, that, that answered a lot of questions I had about lasers and also chemical cleaning. So uh, thank you very much. Hey, you're welcome. Anytime. That was Jason Church with Claire Dean. If you'd like to learn more about this technique, visit our podcast show notes at the National Center for Preservation Technology and Training website. That's ncptt.nps.gov. Until next time, goodbye, everybody.